Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. All God's people said, man, it is good to be here. Uh, Love Pastor Jonathan, love both Matt's, and just love the the leadership of this church. And uh, just incredible to see what God has done with this church as well. And uh, awesome, I see this is a magnet, and so that will not be moving. But uh, but man, it's really just good to be here. And I want to say thank you. Uh, Many of y'all don't know, but man, your church... Uh, gives and helps of uh, the church I pastor at in Pasadena, and, uh, and I'm very grateful for that. I pastor uh, what they would call in a hard place where uh, many have fled and, and, and tried to leave, and I'm that crazy dude that said, I'll go right into there and let's do church. But uh, let's pray, and then we'll jump into the message. Lord, we come to you right now just thank you and praising you, and I thank you for this message for this word. Lord, I know it's a passage that those of us who've been in church, we probably have read quite a bit. But Lord, I pray that we would never be the same again as we look at this passage. Lord, you have a word for us. And I ask right now that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Lord, just as the the worship leader had shared, Lord, that that would be one of the, the cries of our heart today would be like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because, Lord, if we can just be real, we all have areas that we struggle to believe. And, Lord, if there was ever a time that you're calling us to be men and women of prayer, men and women who fast, men and women who are in the Word, men and women who are seeking the face of God and crying out to you, that hour and that time is right now. And I pray we would not miss, but Lord, that we would truly be ready, prayed up, ready for whatever comes our way. So that we're not chalking up an L like these disciples did, but that we're seeing victory. Lord, we love you. Be with us now in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you just heard her beautifully read from Mark 9, and I want to read these. The, the last two verses, uh, verse 28 and verse 29 of this section. And, and then we'll jump in. It says, And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? They, they were dumbfounded. They just chalked up an L. They had been casting out demons. And all suddenly they come across one that they can't cast out. And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Some translations will say fasting, and that's a message for a whole other day. Just know there's nothing wrong with your translation that says fasting. That's a good thing. Amen? And so before I jump in, I'll be honest, as uh, it's not liking me, and so let me scoot over here and see what happens. But uh, I'll be honest, it's been one of those messages that's really just stirred my heart up, slapped me around a lot, 
And it made me think about this one instance. Uh, this is in the beginning when I had planted the church that I pastored. And a man came to me who I seriously thought needed to be locked up and put away in a mental place. And, uh, and at that time, I had been learning how to do biblical counseling through Dr. Ellen, uh, an, an incredible uh, professor, pastor. And, uh, and I called him saying, hey, I know you said the Word of God can help anybody and has the answers for anybody. But I'm telling you, brother, the Word of God can't help this man. This dude needs to be locked up. He needs to be on meds. Like when I met with him, this guy was telling me, Billy, Billy, do you hear it? And I'm like, hear what, brother? There's a helicopter flying over the building right now. I hear no helicopter. It's because it's black ops. It's the black ops. And they're after you? Yeah, they're after me. It's the government. And I'm like, brother, why would the government be after you? Oh, they're after me. That's why I got my guns loaded at the home. I'm like texting his kids, get the guns out of the house now. Like this is literally happening as the guy's talking to me. and His kids are getting the, the guns out of the house. And he couldn't get a job. And he's thinking the reason he can't get jobs is because the government's after him. And I'm like, this dude is nuts. I, I, I have nothing for him. And I'm telling Dr. Ellen, listen, I know you told me to go after the heart. I know you told me, man, the gospel can set anybody free. But I'm telling you, there's no hope for this dude. And I remember him telling me, Billy, I'm not telling you he's not mental. I'm telling you, you keep going after his heart. Something's going on. I'm like, man, this is crazy. And so I'm like, Lord, help me if, if I'm doubting you because I'm doubting that you can do anything for this man. And about the third session as I'm counseling with him and going after his heart, I'll never forget it. He just bangs on the table. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And I'm like, Lord, please tell me he's got no weapons on him because I know he's crazy. And he starts banging. He goes, you don't get it. And I'm like, get what? And he goes, you know my wife died of cancer. And I was like, yes, sir, I know about that. Your daughter told me. And he goes, well, what y'all don't know is for the last two years while she was dying of cancer, I was running around with different women sleeping with them. She's dead, Billy. And I can't do nothing about it. I can't go back and apologize to her. I can't go back in time and make anything right. I felt as a husband in her darkest hours. And he's screaming passionately, banging on the table. And I remember in that moment, I just shared the gospel to this man. And I'll never forget just watching him weep, watching him say, Jesus, I want to know you. Become my Lord and Savior. And this man who everyone thought was mentally crazy is no longer, no one thinks of him like this. As he learned to receive the forgiveness of God, as he repented to his children. And I remember running into him about a year and a half ago, defensive driving, I'm, I'm not perfect. And, and, and he comes up to me and he's like, Billy! And he just hugs me and he goes, man, thank you. No one calls me crazy anymore. And I'm like, brother, that's Jesus. Jesus did all that. And I'm here to tell y'all this morning, as we look at this passage, Jesus can do anything. Can I get an amen? And we can't stop believing that. Can I get an amen? And we can't doubt that. Because we live in a time and an, and an hour, even where the church right now is doubting. Can Jesus really change injustice? Can Jesus really change the evil that's going on? Can Jesus really turn what's happening in this nation? And we got to ask ourselves, do we truly believe in the power of the gospel in the name of Jesus? Because if we're honest, we're doubting him in areas. And family, Leonard Ravenhill, one of my heroes, said this, as the church goes, so goes the nation. And when we wonder what is wrong with America, we've got to take a look at ourselves 
and a look at the church. And I'm not talking about politics because the church has totally blown it saying, let's look at politics. No, we need to look at our hearts. And do we really believe in the name of Jesus and who he is? Amen. Now, it's real important that we understand what the text is not saying, though. This text is not talking about healing. And family, hear me in this. I, I have a brother that I was weeping, trying not to weep right now, over yesterday. That if Jesus doesn't do something miraculously, I'm going to be doing a funeral. And I want this passage to apply that it means he's going to be healed. I, I don't know if he's going to be healed. I'm praying and I'm pleading to God that he will heal my spiritual son of the cancer that's now in his brain. I know others that need healing. Don't take this passage and go, oh, this means if I do this, they will be healed. I can't tell you that. This passage is also not telling you to go be a demon slayer. I don't want you leaving going, man, dude, I knew it was so cool to go to Restoration Church. Jonathan, man, brought in this crazy white dude that told us, man, that we can be demon slayers. It's not what this passage is teaching. It is saying that we should be ready if we encounter it, but it's not calling any of us to go be demon slayers or write a rap song or a country song about how you're a demon slayer. Can I get an amen? And it's also important that we understand what the gospel is as we jump into this passage. We have to be reminded of the gospel because Jesus, if you know this passage, he, he sent out his disciples in twos. And he's gone up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's with three of them. And it's incredible what takes place. And he's coming down to the other disciples who've been about doing his work that they were called to do. And yet they've encountered now somebody that it didn't work. And they're like, what, what's happening? And family, what's happening is, and it's with all of us, and it's what's happening with the church right now, is do we truly believe in the gospel? And here's the, the, the true, pure, full gospel. You should write this down. God became one of us. Can I get an amen? That's point one of the gospel. He became one of us. No other religion teaches this. It's all about you got to find your way to God. you got to climb the highest mountain, swim the deepest ocean. It's all about you. Christianity is all about God. His grace. And that He came to us. He came into our world. He stepped out of first class so that He could bring us into first class. Amen? Amen. Point two. He lived a life you could not live. None of you in here are perfect. And He has not called us to be perfect. He's called us to be holy. Don't leave here going, ooh, I can sin. No, He's called us to be holy. Family, not a single one of you in here can be perfect. Not a single one of us. That perfection doesn't take place until he calls us home. Then we'll be perfect. Have that glorified body of hair again and all that good stuff. But he lived that life we couldn't live. And, he's, and he showed us how to live. Amen? And then point three, he died the death we should have. Should have never been him on the cross. It should have been you. Should have been me. We're the guilty ones. We're the ones who sinned, broke his heart, but we're so screwed up, without him, we, would, we wouldn't do anything to make things right. Therefore, he came to us. He loved us first. He died the death we should have. And then point four, he rose from the dead. Amen? 
Family, that's important because he took your sins to the grave. He took death to the grave. They didn't rise with him. Amen. Means that we shall be risen from the dead. It means we have a new identity and it means sin's got nothing on us anymore. And it means the enemy now lives in open shame, as Colossians 2.15 says. That's important because the disciples forgot this in this chapter. And then point five, he's coming back again. Can I get an amen? And that's why we should be telling and pleading everyone to turn to Jesus. And family, as you take this gospel everywhere with you, because look at someone and say, take the gospel everywhere. Just turns you all into evangelists. We should be taking it everywhere, amen? And as you take it everywhere, family, look up here at me. You're going to encounter wicked things. You're going to encounter demons. You're going to encounter great evil. You're going to encounter opposition. It's sadly why many in the church don't preach Jesus and make disciples. We want an easy life. Jesus didn't call us to an easy life. He didn't get one. We don't get one. And we're going to encounter crazy stuff. And family, we better be prayed up. Amen. We better make sure we have the right gospel with us. Because point one is this. Our actions and beliefs can hinder the gospel. Can I get an amen? Family, our actions, our beliefs can hinder the gospel. This is exactly what happened right here in this passage. The disciple... Their actions and beliefs have hindered the gospel. It's caused a debate, as, as, we, as we see here in the text, with, with the scribes and the Pharisees. They're now debating disciples. Oh, maybe Jesus ain't that powerful. You couldn't cast this demon out. It's causing the father to doubt. The father's like, if you can. Jesus is like, what do you mean, if I can? <laughs> Your homeboys over here couldn't. So how do I know you can you see, it's caused this father to not see the gospel in the light that he should. And family, if we're all honest, and that's why the Lord's been slapping me around, we're guilty, just like the disciples of doing that. We are guilty of hindering and causing people to see Jesus in a different light. And we need to repent of that this morning. Amen? And how do we do that? By not exercising in the faith. The disciples weren't exercising in the faith. They came up. Come out. It's not coming out. Dang it. Gospel doesn't work for him. And as we're going to learn later on. Jesus is like because you weren't exercising the faith. You weren't prayed up. And because they weren't exercising the faith family. It created doubt. And here's the definition of doubt. Doubt is a feeling of uncertainty. A lack of conviction. And if we're all honest this morning, there's areas of our life we're wondering, can the gospel work? Can it work in my marriage right now? You don't understand what's going on in my marriage. You don't understand what's going on with my child or my sister or my brother who's rebelling and living a, a crazy lifestyle. It can't work for this injustice that I'm dealing with. It can't work for this situation. And because we doubt, it causes others around us to now doubt as well. And where does that doubt lead to? That doubt leads to unbelief. And unbelief is a lack of faith. That's where we see the Father at in this passage. Jesus rebukes the disciples. 
Everyone wants to say he was only rebuking the crowd. He's rebuking his disciples. That's what he says. Look right here at verse 19. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. He's not just calling out the crowd. He's calling out his disciples. And many of us in here will say, I believe. I have faith. But do we really? Like, when it really gets rough, when it, when it really gets testy, do we really stand firm in the faith? Because I'll tell you right now, the church has been exposed. And it's still being exposed. Will we still have church? Or will we just completely be online? Can the gospel really be the answer to this issue or this issue? And family, hear me this. It wasn't that Jesus was not powerful enough to cast out the demon. He was, and we see him do it in this passage. The problem wasn't, was, Je was Jesus or his gospel message, or was it his will? And family, hear me on this. When it comes to healing, obviously we can't say what God's will is going to be. But family, when, when we come across someone who's in sin, someone uh, who wants to get right with God, like evil, you better believe it's the will of God that we see that darkness cast out. Can I get an amen? Like God called Jonathan to plant a church here in Bryan. Why? To see darkness cast out. Not to see it increase, but to see the church increase. Amen? Like He puts us where He puts us for a reason. He has you where He has you for a reason. That His name might be glorified. That darkness might be cast out and all might see who he is and want to follow him. Amen. And so, family, the problem was the disciples' lack of faith. And you know what the problem to this day is? His disciples. Our lack of faith. And family, their lack of faith helped encourage the Father to have a lack of faith. We must ask ourselves what type of faith in the gospel are we imaging to our spouse, to our children, to the students that you're around in the classrooms and when you're on campus, when you're at the taqueria or the Starbucks. What are you imaging? What are you showing them? I mean, family, think about it. The demons do not doubt who Jesus is or His gospel. They don't lack the faith of who He is. They lack exercising it, as we'll learn. They don't exercise in the faith. But family, they understand if He says they have to flee, they have to flee. They understand what power He carries. Look right here at Mark chapter 1. Turn, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. And look right here at verses 23 through 27. Jesus is going to encounter someone who's demon-possessed just to catch you up. And in verse 23, it says this, And immediately uh, there was in the synagogue, as he's preaching the gospel, because when you preach the gospel, family, let me tell you something, it causes the demons and all wickedness to tremble. In the synagogue was a man with unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with this Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Just like what we see taking place in Mark 9. 
Family, unbelief. Unbelief is what keeps people out of heaven. Why are there so many who will not go to heaven? Because they simply do not believe Christ Jesus is their Lord and Savior. That's why the Bible says narrow is the way to heaven. Narrow. Majority of the world will sadly die and go to hell. And so what are we imaging? Because even the demons understand the power of the gospel. Do we understand the power of the gospel? And the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Because even they understood the power of that name. And family, understand when we show unbelief, we hinder what Jesus can do. Look right here at Mark chapter 6. Mark 6 and go to verse 5. Jesus, he's in his hometown. It's where many have heard prophets are not honored in their hometown. And look right here at verse 5. And it says, And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. You see, there was a town where Jesus came and he, could, he wanted to do all this great stuff, but they simply didn't believe in his gospel and his name. Family, there's a reason why there are churches that God is literally shutting down in America. They simply don't have the faith they need in the name of Jesus and his gospel. And he's like, it'd be better if you just shut down and another one rises up. Amen? And may that never be said about us. Amen? May it be said, no, we believed until our last breath. In the very name of Jesus and his gospel and what he could do. And family, two other things that can hinder the gospel is our own sin, our own rebellion against God. And family, unbelief is sin. Not sharing Jesus is sin. I know some of you are going, what? It is We've been commanded to share the gospel and make disciples. It's a command. If we don't do it, that's sin. God commands that we pray. If we're not faithfully praying, we're in sin. And family, bad theology as well will hinder. I mean, sadly, what are people trying to to do to fight injustice and, 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 and evils that we see in our nation today? The woke gospel, prosperity gospel, the moralistic gospel. The Bible is not sufficient. And then they're going, what's going on? Something's wrong with the gospel. No, it's you have bad theology. You've abandoned the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have to come back to it if you want to see the power of God move. Amen? And so on that point, too, is all things are possible in Christ. Look at someone say, all things are possible in Jesus. Family, if you are here this morning... And you are struggling with doubt and unbelief. The most beautiful prayer, and I love it. I was like, man. I want to ask y'all's worship leader, did like the Lord like show you my message? The most beautiful prayer you could pray is what the Father, this Father prays. I believe, help my unbelief. And that's what some of you ought to be praying right now. That has to become your prayer. Should be all of our prayer, amen. And family, Matthew 17, 20, 
teaches us that the faith that he asks for is the size of a mustard seed. Now, I could bring a mustard seed up here, but I'd be wasting my time. Not a single one of you. Mid the front row might be able to see it. That's how tiny a mustard seed is. He didn't say the size of a pecan or a walnut. All right, at our church, we have these giant pecan trees. Pecans make a mustard seed look so tiny. He didn't ask for that size. He said the size of a mustard seed. That's the faith that he asked for. Praise God, amen, that he didn't ask for anything larger. And family, when he says believe, he's saying have complete trust, confidence. And so again, I'll ask us this morning, do you have complete trust and confidence in the name of Jesus? And in his gospel message? And in the word of God? Do you believe it's the answer to all things? That it's sufficient? That no matter what comes your way, what darkness, no matter trials, that that is what will get you through? And do we exhibit that to everyone around us? For example, family sin. Sin is no match to the gospel, amen? I just shared with you about the gospel. Family, Jesus died your death and he took your sin to the grave and he rose from the dead. Your sin didn't rise with him, amen? But how many of us believe that? How many of us walk that out? Because how many of us as Christians, we walk like we're still in chains. We still walk as a slave to that sin. And Jesus is like, I destroyed that sin. It's got nothing on you. And, and, and you know who you are this morning. You're coming here and, and, you're, and you're drowning in sin. And you know what Jesus is telling you? That sin's been defeated. You don't have to drown in it. All you have to do is just trust me and keep your eyes on me and follow me. And you'll see how that sin will become less and less. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a fight. But over time, it becomes less and less, that sin. And family, the beautiful thing is, He always gives you an escape. And how many of us, we don't take that escape? It's the power of the gospel. And so some of our prayers this morning needs to be, Lord, help my unbelief. And help me to believe that this sin doesn't rule my life anymore. Amen? We need to apply that when it comes to the devil and his demons and all evil that we face. Amen? And family, hear me in this. The days we live in are scary. Let's just be real and honest. It's scary. Don't be that one who's trying to act like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Can I turn around? There's a new variant. There's something going on. I mean, family, you, you talk to... Any minister, like every time I turn around, something heavy is going on. The, the news that I just keep getting of, of what is going on in families is so heavy. And many of you are facing the same thing. Evil is everywhere. And it's more bold than we've ever seen it. But remember, the demons and the evilness family, they tremble at the name of Jesus. Amen? They tremble. Because they know that they're no match. Like family. I, I had a brother try to last year show me this uh, meme of Jesus and the devil arm wrestling. I was like, this is garbage. And I remember he looks at me and goes, that's offensive. I'm just being straight with you. And if you know me, I'm straight. I'm like, that's garbage. 
Jesus and the devil ain't arm wrestling. Jesus ain't like, oh no, what am I going to do here? The devil's not trying to arm wrestle Jesus. He knows he's no match. He's been defeated. What he's doing is trying to take as many as with him to hell as he can. And we ought to be doing everything we can to take as many as away from him as we can. Amen. But understand, he's no match. It's like if, if you've seen the old Clint Eastwood movies where you think there's going to be this great fight between Clint Eastwood and, and the bad guy. And you're like, that was it? That's it? He just, bam. Like, Clint Eastwood's walking away. I mean, there's a reason why he was known as the baddest dude around. And that's how Jesus is with the devil. It's like no match. And we have to remember this, amen? And I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm subbing. This is years ago. Subbing at a high school. And I always took my Bible with me. And, uh, and I would encourage you, take your Bible everywhere with you. You want people to start asking questions? Let them see a Bible in your hand. They'll ask questions. And these kids are like, hey, man, is that a Bible on your desk? Sure it is. You believe in that stuff? I sure do. Well, man, we're glad you're here today. Why? <laughs> we got somebody in this classroom who worships the devil. I said, what? And I'll never forget, as soon as they say that, this kid stands up and he goes, yeah, man, I worship the devil. I got all the power. Your Bible's nothing. Your Jesus is nothing. In the middle of the classroom, I remember I looked at him. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you shut your mouth, kid. You can't speak again. You sit down and don't get up again. And pray that God doesn't strike you right now. I said, how dare you speak of my God like that? I remember the whole class just went, whoa, because the kid sat down. Had this necklace with the cross upside down. And I said, and take that necklace off right now in the name of Jesus Christ. He took it off. And the class is like, what's happening? I got to share the gospel. Kids got saved that day, amen? They got to see who had the power, amen? Wasn't me, but the name of Jesus and the gospel that I came in, amen, family? Don't forget that, the power that we walk and carry with Jesus. Family, another one, injustice. Injustice is no match. I'll give you an example how injustice is no match for Jesus and the gospel. Abby Johnson came right here from Bryan, Texas, if you don't know her story. You should go watch the movie Unplanned. She was boasting in how many children that she was murdering every year, right here in this city, killing tons of unborn babies, bragging about it, winning awards. But a few Christians said, we're going to pray for her. We're going to share Jesus to her every day. And if you know the story, the power of the gospel got a hold of her heart, changed her life. That clinic is no longer open today. Amen. And she now fights to save the unborn and has brought out many doctors who are no longer performing abortion. What happened? Man, some people believed in the power of the gospel and began to pray and watch God do his thing. Amen. Family, do you believe this when it comes to your marriage? Do you believe this with your children? Do you believe this with lost people? I remember my dad coming home one day saying, Son, I know I told you God can save anybody, but not my boss. I was wrong. She's of the devil. God can't do anything for her, son. I remember a week later, he came home crying, Son, I need to repent to you. My boss, who I said it was the devil who could not get saved, just gave her life to Jesus. Never doubt the power of the gospel, son. Because God can do anything, amen? Family, Peter walked on water. I'm not saying go try it. I have tried it. Hasn't worked yet. He, family, 12, un, 12 uneducated men turned the road upside down. 
Don't tell me all things aren't possible with Jesus. Amen. Paul, who was killing Christians, stood before kings and preached the gospel. Family, Pastor Jonathan, y'all's pastor, God gave him a vision when he came to Brian. And look at it now. Don't tell me all things aren't possible. Amen. Many of you right now need to say, you need to be praying. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And family, I wrote this down. Believe and never stop believing. Can I get an amen? Matter of fact, just look at someone and say that. Believe and never stop believing. Because there are people who need to hear that right now. They need to hear that. And then point three. Last point. We must exercise our faith. Can I get an amen? Now, many of us love to exercise. I mean, you go on social media, everyone's taking pictures of themselves. Look at my six-pack. You know, look at this. Family, the, the number one thing we need to exercise is our faith. Can I get an amen? Because our six-pack can't change anybody. I, that's, we, I'm not saying we shouldn't be healthy. Be healthy. But family, the devil, his demons, sin, and every kind of evil is not going to go down without a fight. I'll tell you that right now. It will not. Jesus, in this passage, rebukes the demon out of this young boy who's been tormenting this young boy. And family, the demon does what? It throws him on the ground. They don't go out without a fight. The sin that you battle ain't going down without a fight. And don't think because it puts up a fight that there's no power in the gospel. Can I get an amen? Don't think that. When it fights, understand that means the gospel's at work. And let the gospel do its job, amen? Knowing that it will win, it will defeat. And I'll just ask everybody this. Have you ever felt defeated when it comes to the faith? Taking an L. Family, I have. I, I understand the disciples here in, in Mark 9. Hey, what happens? We, we did it here. The formula worked and it didn't work right here. What happens? If you follow Jesus long enough, you're going to chalk up some L's. The disciples took an L here. They took a defeat. But man, I love it because they don't want to take another defeat. Jesus, what happens? And family, he tells them, this type takes prayer, takes fasting. Family, there are certain sins, certain demons you will come across you will not have the strength to overcome it. You won't. Nothing will work but the name of Jesus and his gospel. Can I get an amen? You better recognize that and know that. Because I, I got homeboys who are like, hey, Billy, we didn't have to, to give our life to Jesus to, to get out of the streets like you did. But I'm like, yeah, but look at this area of your life. Well, our same strength will work. Well, it ain't working. Your same strength that you said that keeps you away from the drugs, it ain't working for that issue. Why? Because they need Jesus more than they could ever know. Amen? And family, so many miss out on the power of God because we're not willing to put the work in. And why are we not willing to put the work in? Because some of us in here, we lack faith. Others of us, we just want that comfortable and safe life. It's tragic. I see churches even promoting this now. Come here. You'll be safe. So you're not preaching Jesus then? Because Jesus said, man, you follow me, you're going to suffer. 
Matter of fact, read about what Jesus told the disciples about the end of times. Jesus tells about the end of times. They're probably telling Thomas, whoever asked the question, you idiot, don't ever ask that again. Because you know what Jesus says? You're going to die. You're going to be arrested. They're going to hate you. It's going to get worse. Never ask him that question again. Family, nowhere in the Bible does he promise us this comfortable, safe life. Nowhere. And family, another reason why many of us don't see the power of God is because we don't grasp our dependence on him. We don't. That's why we don't pray. Oh, church is doing a prayer night? I prayed for five minutes. God didn't ask for five minutes. Maybe he wants you to pray for more. Man, you mean I got to read my Bible? Sunday's not enough? I got to open it and read it? Yeah. You need to open and read it. You need to start praying. You need to exercise the faith. That's great. For example, family, going to church, tithing, being in a missional community group, caring about justice, loving others. These are all great things. Keep doing them. But family, hear me on this. The disciples were doing them. Not only were they doing them, they were walking with Jesus. Like, could see Him with their own eyes. And yet in Mark 9, they just chalked up an L. They just looked foolish. Why? Because they weren't exercising the faith. They weren't applying it. They weren't putting it in practice. You mean just walking with Jesus? Being at church ain't enough? No. You got to put it in work. You got to exercise it out. Amen. And family, they weren't truly dependent upon God. And many of us here are honest right now. We're not being dependent upon him. And family, hear me on this. I'm not teaching a works-based gospel. I'm not saying Jesus plus or gospel plus. What I'm saying is that when you're praying and fasting and that you're in the word of God, you are stating and showing not only yourself, but everyone around you, your dependence on him and understanding that it's the power of God that's going to set you free, me free, and everyone else free. Amen? It's what you're showing. It reminded me when I was subbing at this junior high, this South Houston junior high is where I come from. Only 50% of the kids will graduate from the school that I came from. And I'm subbing. I'm in seventh grade. Got two girls already that have kids. Got other kids I'm trying to share Jesus with. They've asked me to start this Bible study. These kids are crazy. They won't listen. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know why you have me here. None of these kids want you. And I remember God just convicted me of this passage. What have you done to pray for their souls? And so one night I prayed with some friends and I couldn't stop crying. I remember the next day I came to class. We had Bible study. I said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand. All 30 kids raised their hand. I was like, oh, I did something wrong. And so I said, let me represent the whole gospel over again. And they did. They let me preach all over again. That's how you know street kids. They got nowhere to go. They're like, yeah, he can preach again. And so I preach again. All 30 raised their hand. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've done something wrong. So the next day, I call one by one. I'm talking to them. You know what? One by one, they tell me, sir, here's what we know, and here's what we heard. We are a sinner. We're messed up, and Jesus is our only hope. All 30 told me this. I was like, oh, I, I, I can't object to your salvation then. You, you clearly gave your life to Jesus. 
But family, what happened? I started praying. I started relying on God. And what did He do the next day? He did what only He could do that I couldn't. That's changed the heart of man. Amen? Family, look right here at Mark chapter 1. And go to verse 35. Jesus just cast out a demon. He just healed Peter's mom. And look at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Everyone say prayed. He went and prayed. And if you know your Bible, often Jesus would do this. Get away from everyone. And he would pray. And if Jesus, the living Son of God, had to get away from everybody and seek the Father, man, how much more do we need to do that? Because we ain't Jesus. He was fully God, fully man. We just fully man. We messed up. And family, you know what happens after he gets done praying? Look at verse 39. And he went throughout Galilee preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. You see, he was exercising the faith. He had been prayed up. If you know your Bibles all throughout the Gospels, the disciples weren't praying. Even in Jesus' darkest hour, they sleeping like many of us. Can you stay away for one hour? Well, Jesus, you don't understand what's going on in my marriage. You don't understand this professor that I have. You don't understand how hard things are right now. When I am no longer with this professor or this situation, I'll make time to pray and you'll continue to live a defeated Christian life. If we're not willing to put the work in and pray and call upon his name, you can't expect to see the power of God, family. And the disciples, this will change though. In the book of Acts, family, all we do is see them exercise the faith. From Acts 1 all the way to the end, they're now doing what? They're praying. They're seeking the face of God. They understand, God, we're nothing, and we need you more than ever. And we see the power of God move like unreal in the book of Acts. And so, family, the most important thing you can do this new year is to pray. Can I get an amen? Look at someone and say pray. Some of the married people are like, man, I've been wanting to tell my spouse that. Fast. We need to fast, Amen. Married people are like, can I, can I tell my spouse that? No, your spouse needs to hear what to fast from because I know married people love to tell each other what to fast from. And family, the Word of God. There's nothing more important you can be than those three things because they will lead you to everything else, amen? So that no matter what comes our way today or tomorrow, we'll witness the power of God and we'll witness darkness flee. Can I get an amen, family? And so, family, as I close this out, the demons in the book of Acts said they knew Jesus. You have some men, they come up. Woo, man, we're going to come. We're going we're gonna to use this name Jesus that we see Paul doing. And they, they show up, and the dude is demon-possessed. The demons speak and go, Jesus we know. Paul we've heard of. But who are you? And if you know the story, they got their butts kicked, got stripped butt naked, and ran out of town. Why? Because they didn't understand their dependence on God. That the power comes from Him, not us. I don't care how much seminary you've had, how much theology you think you know, how much money you think you know, if you think you vote on the right side of politics, if you don't come in the name of Jesus, 
you will chalk up an L like these disciples did. And family, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing the church chalk up L's. I don't want to chalk up no more L's. That means we got to put the work in, amen? And let's bow our heads. And as you bow your heads and as we go to prayer, because one of the things the Lord really put on my heart even as I was praying here, there are people here right now, you know who you are. You are struggling in believing that Jesus is enough right now. For whatever the situation is that you're facing, you're struggling believing He's enough. And I'm here to tell you this morning, He is enough and He is all that you need. And He will be the only, only one who can see you through. Who can see the sin overturned. Who can see the darkness overturned. Amen? Who can see, see a marriage healed. Or a loved one come back. And I'm here to tell you this morning, believe. Believe. 